0: It's time now for The Pick. Yes, I may be new to your Saturday mornings, but I've had plenty of feedback from you already. I know one of your favourites here on Saturday Extra is The Pick, so don't worry, The Pick is here to stay. And this week we've got a couple of fabulous guests with their tips on good reads, what to watch and what to listen to. David Para is a wildlife documentary maker and cinematographer who was appointed as an Officer of the Order of Australia for his Distinguished Service to Wildlife Cinematography in last month's Australia Day Honours. Amongst his many projects, he and his wife, Elizabeth Perra-Cook, made the award-winning doco, Wolves of the Sea. And if that name, Para resonates with you, his uncle was the famous war photographer, Damien Para. David,
1: congratulations on your gong. Oh, thank you very much, Fran. Thank you.
0: Also joining us on The Pick this week is Jessica Collins, a research fellow at the Lowy Institute's Pacific Islands Program. So she's deeply immersed in all things Pacific. Jessica, welcome.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Fran. Well, let's
0: start with a good book, shall we? Jessica, you're recommending this morning The Hollow Crown, Shakespeare on How Leaders Rise, Rule and Fall by Elliot Elliot Cohen. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really excited to introduce this book. Now, Elliot Cohen is is a legend uh, in the American political science world. Uh, He served as a senior advisor to the Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice. He's currently chair in strategy at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, but also uh, he's the Lowy Institute Distinguished Fellow for International Security. And we were lucky enough to have him out last year uh, to give an address on the war in Ukraine. Now, this is a new book of his, and um, he has a really deep knowledge of Shakespeare, and he's uh, He's married. He's, he's managed to marry that up. Uh, with his lifelong career in international relations and politics, which is really fascinating, really fascinating lens to look at the world uh, today. And he loves to share the story that he spent a lot of time walking the halls of power. He's met with presidents. He's met with prime ministers, generals, diplomats and spies. Uh, And he says that the more he reads of Shakespeare, and he's, he's read an awful lot, um, the more that he understands that it's a guide to all of uh, all of that, all of that walking through the halls of power. And, you know, he says that Shakespeare teaches about the human character. Uh, he's not so, not so much interested in, you know, the economical public movements of the time, but really about how the com- human condition responds to power and how it you know,
0: circulates around that path. As you say, he's seen power up close. He's seen yes. the powerful up close. In this, does he sort of draw links or which, which Shakespearean characters, which Shakespearean leads does he draw links with between contemporary, with contemporary political figures?
2: Yeah, look, I think this is the most interesting part of the book. So one of the great stories that he shares is that, um, you know, he puts the war in Ukraine through the Shakespearean lens. And, you know, just days before the invasion of Ukraine, he was in Munich. He was there at a security conference. And his European colleagues were they were pretty much calling Putin's bluff. Uh, And he had just finished, I think it was about his ninth reading of uh, Richard III. And he drew drew parallels between King Richard uh, and Vladimir Putin. And he said, you know, King Richard, by Act Four, he grew increasingly evil and open about uh, the murders in his family. He had ordered the, the murdering of his uh, nephew quite blatantly. And he said, it's absolutely in Putin to do this. Um, and as a dictator, his character will naturally deteriorate in the same sort of fashion. Of course, we saw uh, that Putin has done that. And you know, there's interesting parallels between the language of Putin and the language of uh, King Richard III as well.
0: Wow, I'm I'm very interested to to know who he might compare to King Lear does he does he make <laughs> yeah. a comparison because i think well, a lot of people will be thinking it
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. I haven't finished the book yet. I'm part way through. But, um, you know, I think that is absolutely, um, you know, the parallel that he would love to draw. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, for those that are interested in, in international history and politics, but using that to understand the leaders that we have today and trying to sort of get an understanding of, you know, your own al- analysis of the leaders and what they might potentially do in the future, I think it's a really be- beneficial book. OK,
0: sounds fantastic. It's called The Hollow Crown, Shakespeare on How Leaders Rise, Rule and Fall by Italy. Leah Cohen and everyone out there, you might have some ideas. Send them in. Who do you think compares to perhaps King Lear or reflects Macbeth or Lady Macbeth? Even just send me a text. I'd love to. I'd love to know your thoughts. Well, David, your turn. What have you been reading?
1: Well, uh, it's a book called. Deep Waters. It's uh, by a biologist, but it's uh, really a memoir of uh, loss, uh, Alaskan adventures, and love rekindled. We we, we first met Beth, who's a, a researcher on humpback whales back in the 1990s, and we were researching a film on those uh, whales. Um, Beth's a marine biologist, a mother, a professor at a, an Alaskan university, uh, her life was suddenly upended when her super fit husband, who uh, suffered a, a, a stroke, a very, very rare stroke, and he was airlifted back to Seattle where he underwent. Treatment and rehab, and they relocated to Seattle for she and a, a son for a, um, a couple of months while he underwent uh, tests and um, rehab and it was re- it's really a story that parallels their life. Uh, of research in the uh, Alaskan wilderness, their experiences out in the mountains, their um, almost demise in a massive storm on their boat in the Gulf of Alaska with uh, this... this massive change to their life where this man who'd climbed uh, the highest mountains in Alaska suddenly became almost a cripple. And that actually um, rekindled... Them to question their relationship, their love, their um, uh, relationship with their son. It's a really fascinating read.
0: It sounds beautiful. And you're, of course, a wildlife documentary maker. Are you aware of this? These people. Do you know these people? Do you know? Do you know Beth Ann Matthews?
1: Well, we had, as I said, we had something to do with her in um, in the 1990s. Last year, we went to Juneau, which was their home Mm -hmm. for uh, 30 years, and we were looking at humpback whales. Sadly, she and her husband, because of health issues, had relocated to the sunshine of California, so uh, we were unable to see her.
0: Okay. Well, we better better rocket through this if we want to get all your other tips. Jessica, what have you been (laughs) watching that you'd like to tell us all about?
2: Yeah, look, you know, uh, being a Pacific Research Fellow, I like to consume all things Pacific. And so I I like to watch, at the end of the week, uh, a show called The Pacific. It's on ABC TV. And it's hosted by Johnson Rayella Alice Olohea and Talia Aulita. And um, I love them because they're 28 minutes long. Uh, each episode is about a bus ride home for me. And, you know, depending on the traffic, I might even squeeze in too. Um, but, you know, after a week, a long week of reading and talking about the Pacific, I find that the show really brings everything to life. And, of course, um, you know, it's talking about Pacific issues uh, that are from the Pacific perspective, mm. uh, which I absolutely love. And, you know, if we're, uh, David, you know, just sort of bouncing off your story there, there's a really terrific segment from 2023, which you can actually watch now in the summer special. Um, but it's on the impact of shipwrecks uh, right across the region, but particularly in Solomon Islands, Marshall Islands, and the feder- Federated States of Micronesia. It's absolutely shocked to learn that there are 4,000 shipwrecks right across the region. Uh, and 60 of them are at risk of breaking down and uh, they have vast quantities of oil on them. So, you know, huge environmental risk there um, and, you know, super interesting story. Okay, fantastic. So the Pacific, thanks for that unsolicited plug, Jessica, for the ABC and our <laughs> colleagues. And
0: if you're interested, you can. it'll be there on iview. David, let's get a taste of your recommendation of what's good on telly.
1: I've been all over the world as a wildlife filmmaker the best stories are often the
2: hardest to get to. I wanna go up there. (laughs) That's insane. Now here, harsh weather and powerful predators are never far away. Let's go.
1: It's a classic sort of story of uh, trying to find animals, rare animals and behaviour and shoot it. And he's a, a wonderful presenter full of um, enthusiasm, Gregory, yeah? British enthusiasm and knowledge. But it combines making of materials. So they show behind the, uh, uh, behind the scenes of the equipment they're using, the drones they're flying. All that sort of stuff. So it, it, it's, and, and one of the episodes goes to the Antarctic across the Drake Passage, and he's trying to film these um, pods of orcas that uh, dive under ice flows with seals on them, and they uh, create a bow wave which washes the seal into the water, and of course, uh, it becomes food. Um, another one was uh, shot in Torres del Paine down the southern end of uh, South America where uh, a family of mountain lions go hunting for a guanaco and it, it really is one of the most amazing um uh, predation sequences I've ever seen wow, the the, uh, the mountain lion gets sort of dragged by the guanaco over the ground and it smashed into rocks I thought the the mother might have been killed because she had uh, two cubs to feed and they were getting very uh, very hungry a wow. great a great 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 stories. I highly recommend it.
0: High praise from you indeed. We've given your background, Animals Up Close with Bertie Gregory on Disney Plus is that. And last but not least, The World of Audio, Jessica. What have you got? You-
2: Yeah, look, this is another plug for ABC, but, you know, I was on Radio National the other week and I saw this promoted and uh, it's Parental as Anything by Maggie Dent and uh, she's a a parenting author and educator. In this particular podcast, she pairs up the child and adolescent psychologist, uh, Dr. Kayleen Henderson, and it's called Is Your Child Ready for School? And I've got my fourth little last child going to school next week, so highly recommended Uh, for anybody who has children going to school. I'm never one to say that I know at all about children going to school, Um, but, you know, it certainly helped me. And I recognise that, you know, parents don't always have a choice about whether they can hold their their children back. Um, But certainly this is a great podcast to help you go through the checklist to understand uh, whether your child is socially and emotionally ready. It's not about the academic skills Um, So I think that was really helpful for me. But, you know, the interesting thing about this podcast is that, you know, while I learned that, you know, my child is probably ready for school, um, it had the perverse effect of uh, making me realise that, Perhaps I was the one that wasn't ready. You <laughs> yeah. know, I got a little bit emotional thinking about it and, um, you know, it I helped me, it gave me a few tips about how to ke- keep my emotions in check for next week. So yeah. highly recommended.
0: And that's, that always helps the little ones too. Thanks, Jessica. Yeah. Well, David, you grew up in a household of classical music and opera, but you've just discovered and fallen in love with this band. She's a killer,
1: queen, mine, agility, with
0: a You're a DCB, Queen fan now, is that right?
1: very much so well the uh, queen became famous in 1975 when i was on macquarie island for 16 months which was totally cut off. We got a a telex uh, news coverage uh, every couple of days, no radio, no television, no nothing. And that was the year that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody came out and reached number one, of course. Uh, I came back to Australia in 76 and became heavily involved in editing of a four-part series. So I'd vaguely heard of Queen, never heard of Freddie Mercury... Until I saw his biopic in 2018 and I just fell in love with Queen. I thought he is a person who's a real original thinker who um, came out of a, a poor home, Indian parents uh, in, in uh, uh, London, and he had this ability to think quite outside the square and mm. take risks. Okay. I,
0: Well, a huge band. I love it that you just discovered them, but you've got good taste. David, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us this week on The Pick.
1: My yeah, pleasure. pleasure. For me. Yeah.
0: Fantastic choices. And if you miss them, we'll put them all up there on the website. But you hit go through the ABC and look for Saturday Extra. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Saturday Extra. Thanks to the Saturday Extra team Belinda Summer, Isabel Summerson, and Neve Dunn, and Amory Debetancourt Bet- de in the studio. If you missed any of our interviews, you can catch them on the ABC Listen app. I'm Frank Kelly. I'll be back. On your Saturday next week. Have a wonderful weekend. It's been terrific to have your company and I can't resist. We've just gotta go out on a bit more of the great Mama, Freddie Mercury. See you later. Have a great just Saturday. Mama, life at